you ready, eager young space cadet? Meep, meep. I call a pussy Hello and welcome to Of Course You Realize This Means Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Graves, and today it is my pleasure to bring to you a featured contributor for the LA Times and former publisher and editor of the OC Weekly and author of the column Ask a Mexican, which was assembled into its own book by the same name. He also wrote an episode of the American cartoon Border Town, so he's no stranger to animation. Please welcome Gustavo Arellano. Gustavo, how are you? Uh, very good. Thank you. Gracias for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure to have you. You wrote a wonderful op-ed and columna on Speedy Gonzalez, and that is why I reached out and wanted to bring you on. He is a treasured character in the roster of Looney Tunes, and I couldn't think of a better person to have on to talk about him with. Uh, you only have me on because I'm Mexican. Come on, admit that. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, not at all. Your article is called, Why Do So Many Mexican-Americans Defend Speedy Gonzalez? He was created in, the, in a time where we didn't have a whole lot of Mexican representation in media. And he was a hero. He came out strong. He was beloved by the audiences. Um, and he's just... I, th I feel like he has a lasting legacy and I'm so happy he's being included in the new Space Jam, which he just had a poster released literally this week. So I can't wait to, uh, to hear what you have to say about this. Pe people are tripping the hell out. It's Speedy, so cute. And he has that sombrero and yet he's so mighty. I'm assuming he's going to play, he's going to be a point guard because there's no way he could be the center for that team, you know? It's just, you, you, you put the fastest people at point guard. He's, he's, he's going to make Muggsy Bogues look like a giant. <laughs> it's so interesting that they have two speeders out on, on these one sheets. They have Roadrunner and Speedy together. So I You know, I, I don't know how LeBron is going to structure his team against the uh, evil people or whatever, but I guess he's going to be built, you know, He's gonna have his speedsters just throwing, like running around, stealing the ball, throwing it to him and to Bugs, you know, to his power forwards, or or maybe he just has Roadrunner as a starter. Speedy's gonna be his backup because it always happens. Mexicans have to save the day. Who knows? The, the the point is, people are super excited. They, you know, uh, just, the the poster is just ramping up that excitement. Absolutely, and I'm I'm on the edge of my seat waiting for this trailer. I know it's going to be hitting any time now, and I can't wait to see Speedy in action. Yeah, totally. I, I, all of them. Not you know, I love Speedy, of course. He's always classic. But come on, Bugs, Daffy, will probably be embarrassed. It's just you know, I just hope. I'm always wary of reboots. This is not a sequel, obviously, and kind of it's a reboot. It's, it's interesting. It's LeBron. I'm, I'm a huge fan of LeBron. Always has, ha, always have been, but. I just, I'm always wary of doing something that already succeeded. So I just hope that this is really going to channel the original Space Jam, which channeled, of course, uh, the, the ethos of Warner Brothers at its best, as opposed to like Looney Tunes back in action, which, you know, was sad. And, and it's sad to see, like you saw the, the, the yeah, growing up, my favorite cartoons were actually Tom and Jerry. So to see this most recent one, I really wanted it to succeed and add, you know, Ken Jong, Michael Benyap, but yeah. it just didn't. And it sucks. It, it like it, it breaks my heart, you know? Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. I, one thing that did succeed with Tom and Jerry was that they released these uh, limited shorts on HBO Max in, in conjunction to the marketing. I haven't seen of those yet. Wow. Tom and Jerry. They're so good. Okay, good. good. I, I hope you can track them down and watch them. I did a review of them uh, on, on the show, but um, highly worth checking them out. And the attention to detail and the comedy antics are top notch. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I saw a little bit of the film itself, and, you know, it had that, cute, it had that comedy kind of, uh, you know, madcap comedy, although, you know, you have to sweeten it up now in the present day. Sure. Um, but just, you know, more than anything, I just was really wishing it was going to be a hit and it wasn't. So it sucks because now, you know, you know, you know how Hollywood goes. Okay, we try to reboot some characters from the past. It's not going to work. Let's wait for 30 years and just completely neglect them. And I, you kind of saw that with Warner Brothers, you know, with, with Looney Tunes back in action. It didn't work out then and it just, just dropped and thankfully through LeBron and the cult that is Space Jam, they're gonna try it again. And I, I really don't think it's gonna fail. LeBron does not fail. There's no way 
on earth. I mean, there's such high expectations that I guarantee you people say like, oh, it's not as good as Jordan because of course, you know, that's always going to happen. But LeBron uh, does not fail. He does not fail. So I, I have faith in him. Sure, sure. The comparisons will be made, but I feel like LeBron will come out strong and so will this movie directed by Malcolm D. Lee. Uh, but before we get into Space Jam talk, I have a couple things I want to run down first. Uh, first of all is there's a lot of hate against the Asian community and I want to point out that you can help them by going to the GoFundMe site and stop AAPI hate. Uh, that is a very important cause and something that we should all look into um, I myself have friends that are Asian and I know that they are struggling right now. And so if everybody could just take a look and obviously stand up to bullying, uh, essentially that's what it comes down to stand up to bullying, um, whether it be race or, uh, sexuality, like no one should be bullied for their beliefs or their trust and in, in humanity. So, um, and, and their upbringing. Uh, so I just wanted to highlight that real quick. And also we had a a celebration of, at the same time as your article, one of the characters from Looney Tunes, the entire roster of Looney Tunes is so vast that there's always a celebration of someone's birth <laughs> into the franchise happening. Uh, but we had a, a really rare character have their 80th celebration. And obviously it wasn't the big spectacle that Bugs had in July of last year. Um, I'm hoping that we can recreate that with Tweety this year because his 80th is coming up in November. Uh, but Cecil the Turtle uh, turned 80. He's a beloved character in the Looney Tunes franchise. He's shown up in the new Looney Tunes. He's shown up in Looney Tunes show. He, he's all, he was even in Space Jam for like a cameo. Uh, he's he's always around. He's classic. I mean, he, he uh, you know, the, the, the episode with Bugs, that's of course the most iconic one where at the end, Bugs then puts on his little rate like swimming cap and puts on the, um, the that was shell. one of them. But, uh, puts on, <laughs> yeah, the, the, puts on the racing cap, little shell, and then Cecil puts on his uh, bub bunny suit and all that he was funny i you know totally he's funny. a great foil to the bugs bunny character and he's the he's one of the only characters who can actually one up the bugs bunny persona and get under his skin yeah. and yeah. it's always fun to see bugs react <laughs> to that he always gets so angry and he resorts to cheating and it's so funny to watch because he's always this calm cool collective character but you introduce cecil to the situation and he's he just gets so upset but Bugs turns into Daffy. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. I love that dynamic. Uh, so Cecil was created by Tex Avery in 1941, March 15th. That's why we're celebrating him. Uh, he's been voiced by a slew of voice actors, but not as many as you might think. Uh, he started with Mel Blank, then Frank Welker, the voice of Scooby-Doo himself, Joe Alasky, Jim Rash uh, in the Looney Tunes cartoons, uh, Matt Craig, and Keith Ferguson, most recently, which was in a fantastic short that has just been uh, launched under the, the new umbrella of shorts, the Looney Tunes cartoons uh, on HBO Max, uh, called Shell Shocked, directed by Pete Browngard, the showrunner of that entire series himself. Cool. Say, what's this? The actual fastest thing in New York City? Cecil, the Spade the Moon Toidle? What a load of fake news. That dope is slower than my grandma. That guy hasn't accomplished a single thing. Thing. Need space? Call Cease. Oh, the speed. Cecil in the fast lane? The movie? Looney Tunes comics starring Cecil the fastest, even faster than Bugs Bunny? Oh, oh no, he's not! The whole world's gone upside down. Popsy Toivy. Who's ain't faster than rabbits? Why, if that toy were here right now, I'd, I'd, I'd... Challenge him to a race? <gasps> yeah! It shows a really frustrated Bugs finding out that he's not the fastest thing in New York City. And that just gets under his skin. <laughs> so it's funny because he, he, he not only goes against Cecil in a race to see who's the quickest, but he challenges Cecil to uh, multiplication tests and an eating contest mm -hmm. where he has to eat as many carrots as he can. And maybe Bugs will have a better chance at that. But uh, Hopefully it's in Coney Island. Yeah, <laughs> that, like that, that that little scene right there with the carrots, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. 
Uh, but you'll have to watch it to see who wins. It's, it's a really fascinating sh- uh, short that I, I just love to death. Um, awesome. I can't wait. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it, it's great to talk about cartoons, especially, you know, or animation to be more adult because as my job, I, I, you know, I'm a columnist for the Los Angeles Times, so I get to deal with like, you know, you talked about uh, anti-Asian violence. I've had to cover that over the past couple of weeks. I've, you know, I'm usually more quote unquote serious subjects, but I always try to remind people, humans, we have always loved cartoons. And th- this is the beauty of the Warner Brothers cartoons is that they give us laughter. They, they remind us that we're human. They remind us that even in the worst of times, people want to laugh, like, you know, and, and yeah, like my, my editor, actually, my editor, Hector Becerra, he says, like, he, and he, Hector is a very, I don't want to call him a cynical guy, but he's definitely, you know, he, he's a newspaper guy. We're always looking at the world, uh, you know, a little bit askew, but he says unabashedly, his guy is Bugs. Like, he is a Bugs guy, 100%, smart Alec, smart, outwits everyone except he sold the turtle. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I'm also a Bugs guy. I love Bugs. He's been my favorite num- number one Looney Tune since childhood. And uh, with Eric, Eric Bowser's currently voicing him, uh, who's a Filipino from Canada. Ooh, and he's cool. just bringing in this new dynamic to the voice. It's They're firing on all cylinders over there. And I couldn't be more happy with where Looney Tunes are currently and where they're going in this new movie like there's yeah. there's just a resurgence happening and i love it yeah no well i mean if you say so you know given you do this podcast and i take your word on it and not only that you sold me on having to check these out because you know i just they're they're, they're all it's, it's just it's not just childhood they're smart they're they're so smart and i especially love that even if you didn't grow up with them especially bugs bugs has bugs you know has definitely blown up in the world because i'm all about gifts of course on twitter just all those different gifts like him boxing the palooka guy and then him uh, striking out all those the palookas as well just seeing bugs and of course the rabbit the gifts gift gift season gift season all of that it's, <laughs> it's, so it's cool to see these characters you know live i would argue in a far better live far longer than say mickey mouse mickey mouse he's not even like he's disney long ago robbed him of any personality it's like you can't say what mickey stands for you could say what bug stands for you could say what daffy stands for even you know some of the other ones like goofy and and um of course uncle scrooge and all that but the warner brothers warner brothers never lost sight of the fact that all these characters are meant to entertain and let's not let's always make sure that they laugh one like you, you can never lose sight of that and then and whatever people want to extrapolate from them kind of like with speedy well that's up to them but we're going to exist so like they're going to exist so they laugh and people families could have a good time while they're watching them yeah no absolutely i would say mickey is more heart than laughs and bugs is always the the jokester he's always the the one that pulls an antic on somebody um that's even present in who framed roger rabbit when they share a scene together and it's yeah. bugs who gives the the spare tire as in a spare parachute to bob hoskins <laughs> and it's just it's funny like he's he never fails to be funny and that's what i love about this character and as you're saying it's um never ending like you can always come back to that you can always trust in the bugs bunny brand to bring you laughs and i love that so moving on i wanted to also throw out the some of the news that we had uh, this week was uh the third batch of looney tunes cartoons drops and in it we're going to be introduced to a new foghorn leghorn uh we're going to see pete puma come back oh, and yeah. we're also going to see the gremlin fun. we're also going to see the gremlin talking about characters that have actually beaten bugs uh the, the gremlin. gremlin from the from that world war ii era cartoon yes oh yes, he sir. was funny <laughs> oh my god hey get a load of this folks it says here a constant menace to pilots are the gremlins who wreck planes with their diabolical sabotage. <laughs> gremlins. <laughs> oh, murder. <laughs> Again, I, I'm just having already such an awesome time talking about this because this also <laughs> lets me... Because I saw all of these as a fan, at least, you know, the, the canonical ones. Yes. But I was also a film studies major back in the day. And one of my emphasis was the war film. Like, you know, all like 
Apocalypse Now, the World War II ones and all that. And of course, part of the war film genre are those great World War II cartoons that were banned forever by both Disney, like everyone, you know, the Popeye, sure. uh, you know, uh, 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 Disney, but of course, you know, the Warner Brothers one, that Gremlin one. Oh my God, that Gremlin guy was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't agree more. And I'm so excited that they're bringing him back. Yeah. So I can't yeah. wait to see what these new shorts have in store for us. I know it's going to be 10 more episodes of laughs. The last batch was firing on all cylinders. It's, it's so funny. Cool. And they just keep getting better. And I cannot wait to see what they have in store for uh, for gremlins, for the gremlin, and yeah. also for Pete Puma to come back. Um, he's the <laughs> he's the classic tiger-looking guy who uh, asks for asks Bugs Bunny uh, for some lumps in his coffee, and he gets yep. lumped on the head with a mallet. <laughs> Here we are. There's nothing as sociable yeah. as a nice cup of tea. Uh, I always say, uh, how many lumps do you want? Oh, three or four. That is so cool. Yeah, yeah. So I cannot wait for that. And one of the things that they're doing at HBO Max, uh, sticking with the platform, is that they're bringing back Space Jam. Now, Space Jam was on the platform until about November of last year, and they removed it. Obviously, to build up anticipation for the new movie, we have the trailer coming out this week, and Space Jam is back on HBO Max. But they're also removing some things, unfortunately. So at the end of April, we're going to have to say goodbye to Tom and Jerry shorts, the new Aww. Looney Tunes, uh, Looney Tunes show uh, from 2000, and uh, Sylvester and Tweety Mysteries. And I, I really don't understand why they're pulling all of these because there's, there's such great content there. And I haven't gone through all of that content to revisit it and talk about it on the show. So... I'm going to have oh, wow. to wait till it comes back to, to pinpoint some uh, of those episodes. It, that, that's what Disney always used to do, though. Like, you know, they pull stuff out of commission. Mm -hmm. Then they put it back to build that anticipation. We expect in this day and age of streaming and podcasts and eternal arc, eternal digital lies for it always to be there. So it's a it's a I'm sure HBO Max knows what they're doing to, like, build up the anticipation and you know, that's why DVDs are still cool, kids, because then you can see them whenever. Like, don't throw away those DVDs. Keep those collections going. Like, I, I still have the, I got the World War II era, um, the the Disney ones, the ones that had the intro by Leonard Maltin yeah. and all that. And my, co my cousin, he has, like, the big uh, collection of the classic Warner Brothers on DVD as well. So that, that's, that's the place to get them. Yeah, I have the Golden Collection as well. Never say no, never to physical media. It'll always exactly. come in handy, <laughs> as we're saying. Those discs are so informative because they have those interviews with Leonard Malton, as you're saying, but they also had these really great pieces that you can't find anywhere else where it's archival footage of the voice actors, of the directors talking about the shorts. You get these commentaries that you can't find anywhere else. Highly recommend if you can track down the Golden Collection, any of the volumes will have shorts that you're gonna love. And so go out and find those if you can. So moving on, I want to go ahead and spotlight Speedy Gonzalez. That's why I brought you on the show. And he is making a resurgence in media we have him on a poster for space jam 2 and we have him in your column which is being shared <laughs> on all platforms and talked about everywhere i believe i saw it at the new york times as well and yeah. uh you wrote it for the la times so there's a lot of talk about this character uh do you want to talk a little bit about your history with speedy gonzalez and growing up with the character yeah, he was just one of many uh, cartoon characters that I loved growing up back in the days, you know, and it wasn't just the Warner Brothers or even Disney. I, you know, loved Woody Woodpecker, especially when he was like, eh, 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 the old, old, old school Woody Woodpecker. <laughs> uh, Chili Willie, Inspector Willoughby, Heckle and Jekyll, like I just love those cartoons. I grew up in Southern California, so there was a, cha uh, a channel there called, uh, you know, well, all the morning cartoons, Channel 5, Channel 11, Channel 9, they were just playing a lot of like what we now call deep track cartoons. So I just had that love of it. But yeah, seeing Speedy Gonzalez was like, whoa, there's a Mexican guy there. And his accent, it's funny because now people call it a stereotypical, stereotypical accent. It is a stereotypical accent. But when you hear it, you kind of laugh, not 
you don't think of it like as a child of Mexican immigrants, you don't think of it as a Mexican accent. You're like, you know, you're not still attuned to the fact that people mostly hate Mexicans and historically have hated Mexicans in the United States. You just hear it as a high pitched voice and you think, oh, it's kind of funny. It kind of sounds like bugs. And yeah, I know Mexicans who talk like that. Then, of course, you know, arriba, arriba, andale. It's like, oh, I know those words. That's so cool that Speedy's talking, like, in that language, the sombrero. And then when he's, like, all those markers of Mexicanness, yeah. you immediately love him. I mean, it, some people do not, but at least me growing up and my cousins, we thought he was cool. I wouldn't say he was our favorite character just because, you know, uh, there wasn't as many uh, Speedy shorts as there were Bug shorts. Right. But you definitely, anytime you saw a Speedy cartoon, you kind of paid a little bit more attention to see all the little Mexican parts that went along with it. And when you see other cartoons, you really didn't see other Mexican uh, characters. I mean, it, it was Speedy. Mm -hmm. And then of course, Los Tres Caballeros, uh, you know, uh, Donald Duck with a sombrero, uh, Pedro uh, Pancho Pistoles, the other like the, the, the Gallo, the rooster, and then uh, Joe Carioca from Brazil. So you like them as well because like, okay, they're Latino and it was mostly set in Mexico. So that they're pretty cool, but they weren't as funny as Speedy. And Donald Duck, you didn't associate as a Mexican. You just thought like, oh cool, he's wearing a sombrero and what that. <laughs> but then after that, I mean, you have Baba Louie with, with Quick Draw McGraw and he was cool, but he was kind of like, I mean, he always saved Quick Draw, but Quick Draw was never as funny as Speedy. Sure. And then literally the only, and you could probably help me because you're obviously, you're, you're more attuned to um, uh, animation than I am. But I just vaguely remember, I think he was uh, from the, the Walter Lance studio uh, because they would play in the same block as Andy Panda and, um, and Woody Woodpecker. But it was a Mexican character, and I don't know if he was the main one, but he would come out more often than not. And all I would ever remember about him was a catchphrase that he'd go, I think. And it always annoyed me. I, I didn't think it was that funny. And that's when I, like, maybe that's my first uh, idea. I was like, eh, this is kind of stereotypical. But any idea who that might have been? I don't know off the top of my head. It sounds yeah. very familiar. Yeah, maybe it was part of, uh, maybe he was a character in the Inspector Willoughby cartoons, because I always liked Inspector Willoughby, he just, it was totally funny, but like, it was just, I just remember just, I think, and it's weird because, and, it's, and this is the importance of Speedy, it's about context, so Speedy would have his accent a lot of, along with his cousins, but I didn't find it offensive, this I think guy, you hear it, and even as a kid, I'm like, eh, I don't really think that's funny, it kind of rubs me the wrong way, I in thinking about Speedy and thinking about my column, I started, I hadn't thought of that character in years and I've just been trying to find like, who the hell could that person have been? Yeah, and doing a quick search, it's not populating anything other than Inspector Willoughby, the cartoon. That homework for you. Hey, maybe that's another episode. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But yeah, anyway, so, so Speedy was just great. We loved Speedy. You had, some people had the toys. Some people, so, like, especially if you, like, Mexicans love to go to swap meet, so you eventually end up with uh, the cup of uh, Speedy that, from that set that Pepsi released in the 1970s with all the Warner Brother characters, so you'd have a Speedy, speedy glass. Um, but people love them. P people, I never, it wasn't until I became an adult that I realized that there was controversy around Speedy. Mm -hmm. and, then when I, and when I heard the controversy, I'm like, really? Speedy? But Speedy always won. So to speak to that controversy a little bit, in the late 90s and early 2000s, Cartoon Network heard about the controversy and was affected by it because they pulled the Speedy cartoons off of Cartoon Network, effectively rendering him unwatchable because we didn't have any other way to watch him. And then, and, you know, a lot of kids obviously wouldn't have hit those stereotypes the way adults would have. So it took away from that legacy a little bit. But because of the communication and, and the way that media has been talked okay. about recently, there have been more chances for light to be shed on that controversy, on the stereotype. And that's what your article does so well, so profoundly. You. And you talk about how it is this obviously voiced by Mel Blanc and using Spanglish. And he isn't, he isn't exactly a, a hero type for all Mexicans to 
like look up to, but he is a hero in the shorts and he is, he is doing good for his community. He's bringing in the cheese. He's, you know, <laughs> he's getting past the, the treacherous uh, gringo pussycat uh, with Sylvester. Pussygato. Pussygato. Thank you. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a character that has a problematic history in hindsight. But I think at the time, whenever they were creating it, they, they wanted to, to have a Mexican hero. And I think that they were putting something that was, uh, in their view, something that was positive in that space. Yeah. I, you, I do not know the full history. I know some of it. You obviously know it better than me. But think about it. In the 1950s, Latinos, you know, Latinos are a big part of the population in Southern California and the Southwest. And Hollywood, sure. of course, is, is based in Southern California. So someone at Warner Brothers and, I, you know, there had been uh, stereotypical depictions of Mexicans in animation. And there's always like, you know, like Mickey fighting the bull, Mickey going to Mexico again, um, uh, Los Tres Amigos and all that. So someone at Warner Brothers must have said, you know, what would be cool? Like, let's make a, a cartoon because you're going to need a good character. But let's make one about a, a Mexican mouse. And he is a winner. Like it, instead of just treating him as a loser, as a drunk or whatever, although that was sort of part of the background of Speedy, let's make a let's make a hero out of Speedy. And no one else was doing that. Disney never did that. None of these other people. And, and make him right. the star, not just a sidekick, not just a one-off character like a Mich Michigan J Frog. Let's just make him the star. And on its surface, that's what these Speedy cartoons are. Speedy is a hero. Speedy is a star. You make it like that. So I think you can still see them. Like, it's interesting because if you show it to kids who have no idea about the world around them, and if you see these cartoons, just clear-eyed, don't try to see sort of more than just what's in front of you, there's nothing problematic with the cartoons at all. It's just a mouse beats a cat. Sometimes, you know, uh, other, you know, some, most of the time Sylvester, sometimes other ones. And that's it. There, it, it's it's beautiful in that sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the other ones I think are are mainly Daffy. Uh, he goes against mm -hmm. Daffy, and sometimes Sylvester and Daffy team up uh, to try to you know keep whatever they're trying to protect protected. Uh, but Speedy's always looking out for the little guy. He's always trying to help the community around him. Um, in the short we're going to talk about, Speedy Gonzalez, named after the title character himself. Um, it won an Academy Award for Best Short the year it came out. And obviously there was a lot of popularity around this character because it did, as you're saying, it did spawn multiple shorts. It, he wasn't a, a one-off character. He was a returning character. He's part of the roster that we think of when we think of Looney Tunes. You can't have Looney Tunes without Speedy Gonzalez. You have to talk about him. Yeah. I love that. I love that he has such a revered legacy with the shorts and with his brand and i hope that we can obviously with um uh gabriel iglesias voicing him in space jam we can move into a new era of speedy and popularity that transcends and gets past the stereotypes that were presented upon him upon his first introduction into the series yeah that's, no that's it, it, yeah the, well it's interesting so like i i talk about in my column even though on its face, the speedy cartoons are fine, heroic or whatever, once you start digging in, you're like, okay, yeah, there's some things here. So most of his like compatriots are drunks. Um, there's little in-jokes that basically make Speedy out to be a womanizer, the old me my meester with my sister. That's like, like a, a trademark of anti-Mexican humor from the 40s and 50s, no, even earlier than that. Like, playing on these tropes. Speedy Gonzalez, friend of my sister. Speedy Gonzalez, friend of everybody's sister. <laughs> <laughs> like the mouses, the mice literally live in trash. They sleep in little sardine cans. Then you have the voice idea of a white actor, Mel Blanc, God bless him, but a white actor voicing a Mexican with Spanglish in a stereotypical accent that, of course, he got from his character on the Jack Benny show, Side the Little Mexican. <laughs> oh, pardon me, mister, but did uh, my man come over and put some of my clothes in your luggage? See. Si. <laughs> 
Are you going to New York? Yeah? Si. Are you taking flight 18? Si. What's your name? Si. And then, yeah. of course, the name Speedy Gonzalez itself. And I did not know this until reading an amazing book, like one of the best academic uh, essays on Speedy Gonzalez is by a professor from San Diego State University named William Nericcio. And he wrote a book called Text, yeah, the, the X in like parentheses. So Text Mex, Text Mex, Seductive Hallucinations of the quote unquote Mexican in America. So he talks about how his, his own problematic eventual embrace of Speedy Gonzalez, but in there he lays out the, the you know, the, the, the history of the name Speedy Gonzalez, and it's based on a really crude, ugly, and honestly not funny sexual joke about Mexicans that was being told in the 1940s and 50s that Fritz Freeling or that the Warner Brothers animators remembered and thought, hey, wouldn't that be a funny name for our character? And so when you hear all that history, you're like, oh, um, okay. Sure. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. No, to totally. But then, so it, so it's also, but then at that point, you're like, but speed, like you have all these fond memories of Speedy. And so then you go back and try to really see it. But it's still at the end, the, the Speedy wins. Speedy wins. And he resonated, at, you know, I can't say, I, I can't say so much in my generation, 60 of, of the 80s, but you talk to even older people who saw them originally in the theaters in the 50s or when they first started coming out in cartoons in the 60s and even 70s, he was a hero to a lot of these Mexicans who could have easily hated him. A lot of other yeah. Mexicans though also hate, like just did not like him and saw him as stereotypical. And it's interesting in doing my research for uh, my, uh, my column, and I mentioned it, that ABC, when they had the rights to air Speedy, they knocked him out. Uh, they did not air his cartoons in the 80s. Like as early as 1981, they just put him out of commission predating uh, the Car Cartoon Network by a good 25 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't know about that. Thank you for shedding light on this. Um, obviously, there's so much to go over with this history and with the Mexican culture and how Americans have, you know, shunned that culture and or appropriated it <laughs> in ways. Yeah. And there's there's so much that is needed to learn so that we can unlearn. And taking away Speedy as a character, as a as a heroic character in these shorts it does nothing for the narrative of what we want to see out of Mexican culture, out of what we want to see out of a Mexican hero and propelling ideas and ways to move past it and grow as artists, as people that want to represent other uh, more diversity in their shorts. And, and that's, that's needed for the shorts to be aired for, for them to be seen because if they're not seen, they're not talked about. Yeah, again, you, you see them, again, if kids saw them, no, don't know much about the world, they're going to laugh. If you have an adult there and saying like, hey, look, well, in the 1950s, the few Mexicans that did come out were steeped in stereotypes, but this is one of the few times that like, and this is the important thing to remember about Speedy the, and, and all of these, even with, you know, his cousins, um, you know, then like Slowpoke Rodriguez is a whole other conversation, but just oh, the yeah. other cousins or the friends or whatever, the joke was never on these rats, uh, on these mice. It was always on Sylvester. Like it was Correct. always on Daffy. It was always on the other people. And that's something important to realize with this. Like same thing, I would even argue if you see the uh, the Jack, the old, you know, uh, Mel Blanc aside the Mexican, because I, I recently re-saw them again. They're funny. They're really funny. And if you play with them, or if you see them all the way through, eventually Cy the Mexican gets the one up on Jack Benny because Jack Benny was a freaking genius who always knew like the funny thing is not me saying the funny, you know, me not saying the funny part is me being like a Daffy Duck and always getting like being so arrogant that people always jo joke on me. People always prank on me. At the end, I'm the one who looks like an idiot because I was so arrogant on that. And so, uh, you know, I think right. with, the, with the Warner Brother animators, they obviously had a fondness for Speedy, number one, because they created him and, and then because they continued that. And again, Speedy was always a winner. Speedy always won. You never saw Speedy, uh, you know, Speedy always had a sense of optimism. Sometimes, yeah, like he'd be like, hmm, 
have to think a little bit about that. And the close, you know, the closest times that where he was ever really frustrated was with Slowpoke coming in. But even then, it's like Slowpoke comes in and basically tells Speedy, hey, Speedy, don't worry about it, man. I got you. And both Speedy and Slowpoke at the end end up winning. Like Speedy is never a loser the way Mexicans were all almost has always been depicted in Hollywood. Even to this day, Speedy was never a charity case. He was never a, a pity party. None of that. Speedy was Speedy. And I think that's why someone like Gabriel Iglesias, who has such a fanatical following, who does care about representation and tries to bring out, like I have a friend of mine who works on Mr. Iglesias, a show on Netflix. So when he's tackling Speedy, he knows the history behind it. And he also knows like, hey, I am so excited to be able to take him um, in a new direction and bring him forth to a new generation of uh, not just Latinos, but everyone like, you know, that you, you know, he knows that he's not going to mess it up or no, no, or you oh, know, yeah. you know, he knows how important this job is, which is basically to have fun, but be proud. And you also know that no way on earth are they going to mess up speedy. No, not at all. I think there's a lot of reverence that are, that's going into this character, obviously the writing of it and obviously his performance in, in giving him life. Like that's where the the life comes from is the vo- the vocal range and the vocal presence, and I I trust his choices. I in, entirely I think he's the right right man for the job for this, and I couldn't be more excited to hear it. I can't. I hope I hope it's in the trailer, yeah. <laughs> so we can hear it sooner. Um, but thank you for uh, sh- shedding all that light on on the situation, and and obviously um, there is more to talk about there. But I want to transition into the short where he first appeared. Uh, this is, as you mentioned, directed by Fritz Freeling and written by Warren Foster. Warren Foster is an interesting case because he's only written a handful of shorts uh, credited to the Looney Tunes. And one of those is Porky and Wacky Land, which is one of those abstract, oh, yeah. crazy Let's Looney Tunes I'm cartoons the last out there. Exactly. And it's so crazy that he is the story man behind this because wow. because yeah it comes from that guy that created the dodo bird who only showed up in one short and i feel like they were maybe throwing spaghetti at the walls and see what stuck you know but maybe it was a, a better idea and maybe they had something because the way he's portrayed in this short is that of the man you call when you need to get past a adversary like the this the whole community of of rats or mice that are outside that fence they're like oh i know exactly who we need to go to we need to go to speedy gonzalez he can help us and and then obviously there it goes into that joke of uh, he's friends with everyone's sister um, mm, right after that. But, but you know, um, even though there is this problematic nature to the character in this short, he is definitely the one that everyone is celebrating. Everyone is happy to go to, uh, to help them out. And, and he shows such prowess, such, such skill. And, uh, and, the the liveliness that comes off of Speedy whenever he zooms past uh, Sylvester is so fun. Um, he even stops to make fun of uh, <laughs> fun of uh, Sylvester, and uh, you know Sylvester just is so frustrated with everything that in the end he blows up the cheese so the the mice won't get it and Speedy won't get by him again. But then the the cheese just rains down on them. So ultimately they do win. They 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 get what they came there for. <laughs> it's just such a a really well-rounded short and the formula that they introduce in this is very similar to what chuck jones did with wiley coyote and roadrunner but you're you're actually rooting for the little speedster in this instead of rooting for the one that's trying to stop him So I love that change of perspective, and that's why we consider him a hero. Uh, because even though Sylvester had been introduced years before and had been with the the company and the, the franchise for a decade before this, Sylvester is strictly an antagonist. And we don't see 
We don't see the company he's working for. We don't see why, um, why he's so interested in keeping this cheese from these mice. We only see these hungry mice wanting some cheese and we get a, her a hero out of that situation. So I, I think it's really well done. And, and there's a lot, to, um, a lot to laugh at, the, the comedy antics and the way that uh, Sylvester tries to stop him. He goes for a net to net, net on uh, Speedy Gonzales and Speedy Gonzales just takes him through the cactus and, and over the desert <laughs> and, uh, and just leaves him like charred skin, no fur on his, on his uh, front side. It's just really funny, really well, well animated. And right out the gate, this is the first time we've ever seen Speedy and he has all the trademarks of what you want out of a, a really good character in Looney Tunes. You have a persona that is very unique. You have, obviously the dialect comes from that Jack Benny side persona, but he, I feel like he does something a little bit different here with it. And uh, he makes it memorable by giving him these iconic lines, Arriba, Arriba, uh, even though it's Spanglish, it, it makes no sense. I, why is he saying up, up? Like, <laughs> well, it, yeah, it, it's a mistranslation, I would say. And I uh, know, but this is actually interesting. I'll actually, I can tell you exactly why he says Arriba, Arriba. Oh, because okay. it, it, it is also based on the look of Speedy. Like his white suit, like his, his white suit with the little um, red handkerchief around his neck, that is a distinctive style of dress from the state of Jalisco, or Jalisco, from Veracruz. Uh, Vera, it's called Har in Veracruz, the nickname from people from Veracruz are Jarochos, uh, J-A-R-O-C-H-O, Jarocho culture. And the reason, like, and I've never seen any uh, words from the Warner Brothers animators about this, but you, that's why it takes someone to like connect the dots those Warner, those Warner Brother animators, they're being um, influenced. And yeah, they'd go to Tijuana and they'd, you know, whatever. But if you're in Los Angeles at the time, you're, they're probably going to downtown and seeing the, not just these films of Mexico during La Época de Oro, which is the golden age of Mexican cinema, playing at like the million dollar theater at these grand, huge uh, movie palaces in downtown but they're also seeing live shows. And the big genre at the time in the 50s uh, for Mexican regional music is gonna be the music from Veracruz called Son Jarocho. So that's why you see Speedy doing the Mexican hat dance. That's why you see like them dancing like on wooden planks because that's literally the style of, um, of uh, Veracruz. And why Veracruz? Because the president at the time, the two presidents of, of Mexico from the 1950s were from the state of Veracruz. So they're pushing this Veracruzano culture. And from Son Jarocho, the most famous song of Son Jarocho, and uh, everyone knows this, even the United States, La Bamba. Para bailar la bamba se necesita una poca de gracia, una poca de gracia para mí para ti. Y arriba, arriba. Para bailar la bamba se necesita una poca de gracia y otra cosita. Ahí arriba, arriba y arriba, yo no soy marinero, pero ti seré. So it is a callback. Whether oh, the wow. Warner Brother animators knew it or not, it is a callback to Veracruz because La Bamba, this is before Richie Valens. Remember, Richie Valens doesn't make La Bamba a famous song until, you know, 1959. So this is way before Speedy. But the song La Bamba is already percolating through the American consciousness because of that connection to Veracruz. So people, yeah, say like, oh, it means up, up. Yeah, it does mean up, up. But again, I seriously, I seriously doubt the Warner Brother animators were so nuanced when it came to Mexican culture to getting that. But what they were getting was what the... Um, what was what they were seeing in Los Angeles at the time coming from Mexico, the culture of Mexico. Wow. Thank you. I had no idea. <laughs> I, I actually know. You know what? I did not have that idea either. I knew about Speedy's Veracruzano roots, but I remember having seen people saying like, oh yeah, Speedy says up and up. Why does he say that? And it didn't hit me until you said it right now. I'm like, it's La Bamba. There's no other... Again, so it's, it's almost... And, and this is the thing with like the Warner Brothers stuff. So here's a character born in stereotypes, yet the Warner Brother animators, and again, I, they, I believe them when they wanted to make a Mexican hero, because they obviously they did it. 
but they stumbled, they just blindly stumbled into all these nuances with probably knowing it, nothing at all. Sure. Unless it was Chuck Jones had something, because, you know, he was a genius on all that. So who knows? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it was created by Fritz Freeling, and uh, Fritz Freeling was there a little bit before Chuck. Of course, um, but- of course. But you know, like th- there's there's a lot of genius going around termite terrace back then because yeah, yeah, these yeah, yeah. these shorts hold up and they're really funny. Um, I did look it up, and the Speedy Gonzalez short we're talking about came out in 1955. Okay. Um, so that was yeah, uh, no, that that's right in the era of yeah. uh, these. In fact, because years ago I did a story about Son Jarocho, and I know, like I think it was Time or Life magazine mentioned the song la bamba way before again richie valens uh so yeah. it, so like yeah no so th- that's why speedy is dressed in that way i mean that is like if you're a mexican you know that if you're not a mexican you just think oh that's just you don't think like all mexicans dress like that but you're like oh that's just how speedy dresses uh, americans are just stuck on the sombrero because all mexicans wear sombreros from the rural parts one way or another in different designs sure yeah that makes sense Obviously, it was a way to communicate to an audience visually that this is a Mexican character through the sombrero. Um, I think that they did a really good job of making him stand out amongst the other, the community of of mice that are wearing sombreros. And I feel like Speedy, obviously, as you're saying, with the handkerchief and and like with the um, the wardrobe that they gave him, I feel like he had a regalness to him that the yeah. other characters uh didn't have but also that you know uh you make you want to make your characters stand out and i feel like they did a really good job there i love how the sombrero is yellow i feel like the yellowness oh. makes the the characters stand out uh visually to me to me um and i've always associated like uh yellow to i guess sombreros for some reason <laughs> <laughs> um but uh but yeah i this is uh this is a wonderful short and I, I love how he was inspired by, so Looney Tunes are inspired by movies, characters in movies, and they do a lot of parody. Um, obviously Warner Brothers wanted to push their, their films out there for people and these shorts played before actual movies that mm-hmm. they had produced. So having this, uh, this Mexican character come in and be a hero right before you watched a, a Frank Capra movie is really fascinating to me because there weren't, as you're saying, there weren't a lot of Mexican heroes in cinema at the time. And putting forth a narrative of a Mexican hero before one of these more problematic films from the 40s or 50s allows for a bigger conversation to be had leaving the theater, I think. And maybe that happened, maybe it didn't. But well, who knows to say in uh, the 1940s and 50s um, when people were going to the cinema. But I felt that I felt that this character, because of the stereotype and because of the way people talked about him, it was always a, well, that's Speedy Gonzalez. We need to keep him out of the conversation. And it makes the rest of the brand uh, look less problematic. And obviously, like obviously, there are there are shorts that have been banned, as you mentioned, oh, in yeah. the '40s and '50s, and obviously the wartime ones. Um, they've been banned for good reason. Um, uh, the Cold Black and the Seven Dwarves. Yeah, you know, which if you see it, the stereotypes are just terrible. But the comedy is funny, and it's never about. It's never again. It's never on the black characters. And the music is like through the roof. It's amazing. But like, yeah, you you just cannot air that. Just willy-nilly throw it there like not a, no. not not today uh, you know and, and i understand some of that but then like some like the hitler cartoons are so funny the uh, <laughs> hair meets hair it's like let's laugh at the nazis the nazis were horrible human beings or the gremlins from the kremlin i mean that was just so like it's so yeah. cute and like and even and, or maybe that's the thing although you know you had jojo rabbit hitler was funny in jojo rabbit Let's see a funny Hitler, and Hitler totally gets it all. Like, oh, although at the end of um, Gremlins from the Kremlin, you do have that anti-Japanese uh, buck to stereotype. But yeah, so yeah, they're problematic. But it's 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 unfortunate. We I, I think we should show them, uh, but it has to be within context. Like, it'd be great to see it like lectures and whatnot. Let's talk about these 
conversation. Let's talk about these problems and why, you know, why they hold up or why we can't show them anymore. To this point, obviously I mentioned there's a new batch of Looney Tunes cartoons coming out and they're introducing Foghorn Leghorn back into it. Um, do we want to see Speedy introduced into these new shorts? And, and is there a way to introduce them that allows for kids to associate with him as a hero and without the problematic nature of him as a character? I think I, there is. Yeah, I mean, look, look, all you have to do now is like don't have Speedy. Uh, it's, it's a very simple fix. Don't have Speedy uh, and his friends live in trash. Don't have, um, that's really it. Like even when like people say, oh, you know, like Slowpoke I think was a little bit too much, especially with the nose and all that. Although, you know, this is a funny thing. Even Mexicans have appropriated, reappropriated him. Like the stoners are like, oh yeah, Sp uh, Slowpoke was a total stoner. He's my guy, man. Like <laughs> bloodshot or whatnot. So like, this is what Mexicans do. Like Mexicans will take trash and we turn it into gold and in that sense. But I think this fix for Speedy is easy. Like you can still have them in rural Mexico, but don't have them sleep, you know, in sardines. Don't have like El Stinko or anything like that. Right. Uh, you could keep the voice. Like, I mean, the most, like Gabriel, I guarantee, I mean, he's a mouse. So a mouse is going to have a high pitched voice. There's just no way around that. Um, and then other than that, like what, what, what would be the other fix? I mean, the name Speedy Gonzalez, again, it was based on something bad in the past. You can still keep it because people just say speedy, 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 speedy. That's more than enough. And then what would be the other thing you'd have to fix? Nothing. I mean, oh, I was going to say the point about the drunkenness and all that. Well, look, you don't have to. You, there's a nice way of doing around it. Mexicans love to party. That is not a stereotype. This has been written about many, many times. And in defense of those Warner animators, again, they're just going based off of the popular culture of Mexicans are getting fed to them from Mexico. And in the 1950s, they're probably seeing the films of Pedro Infante, who's this icon of ranchera music. And he was famous in films for getting drunk and having these big, huge fiestas. They're just, they're just literally seeing what other people are saying about them. Like, that's just what it is. And also, Speedy is an optimistic guy. I mean, It'd be cool to have Speedy in these like animated shorts against white power, you know, white supremacists and all that. Bring that back. That'd be cool. But we're not going to have that happen, unfortunately, you know. Probably not. Yeah. But that would be great. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, I, I think people we need to see. And this is the most important thing, though. I think when it comes to bringing these characters back, you have to remember why people love them. It's, it goes back to that whole Sullivan's Travels. You know, at the end, uh, all these convicts working in a chain gang, living miserable lives. And yet, what do they look forward to? Like, the only uh, joy that they get out of life at that point is watching Donald Duck cartoons at the end and laughing and laughing and laughing. People want to laugh. People do not want to be lectured at when it comes to these cartoons, especially Warner Brothers. If you could sneak in some messages, that's cool. But at the end, you want to see, I mean, and really the, the message of Warner Brothers of those cartoons, again, again, are, are positive. Bugs, oh, yeah. you know, Bugs, Porky, Daffy sometimes, with, especially let's just stick to Bugs and let's stick to Bugs, Tweety, and Speedy. Uh, what are their messages? Like the little guy can win against bullies and do yeah. it in a funny way and never lose their cool and do it again and again. And the bullies, they're vainglorious and their arrogance will get them. And also don't be arrogant. Like Daffy was never, you know, D Daffy was never a bully really, but he was vain and his vanity would always get him again and again and again. Don't be vain. Or like, you know, but actually my, one of my favorite genres of the Warner cartoons are the old, um, or not even the old ones, but just Porky and Bugs, uh, Porky and Daffy together. Yeah. Uh, like, and, and in this case, Daffy was a wide-eyed innocent who was absolutely crazy, and poor Porky had to, like, rein him in, and he would lose his cool sometimes and get in trouble, or Daffy would get him in tr get Speedy in trouble. I'm remembering the one when the cops pulled him over, and Porky's trying to be all cool, and Daffy just like gets him and all that. So like, it's uh, the, the moral of the story is always maintain your cool. Be like Bugs. Be like Speedy. Think smart. Always maintain your cool. It's not about social justice. It's not about anything else. It's about that. Those are universal tendencies. So as long as we have that, I mean, you can work in a social justice angle, sure. But as long as you have that, then like 
People are going to love you. Like Lola Bunny, okay, we got to bring the women in and have this awesome basketball character. And they did it in such a great way. It, it was a natural way. Lola is like a sure. freaking badass basketball player. And now, you know, so bringing back Lola and, of course, you know, losers, like actual losers, oh, she, she's wearing, like, a sleeve. Like, how dare they? Like, that's how basketball players play nowadays. What the hell? Come on, you losers. These are proper uniforms that they're putting on exactly. these characters. Like, <laughs> Leave them you alone. Know, <laughs> it's like, and, and you think about it, like, when Bugs was playing in the 90s, the baggy look was in. So they had super baggy uniforms. That look is not in anymore. If right. they had done Space Jam in the 1970s, they'd have those super short shorts, you know? <laughs> and Rainbow is all over them. <laughs> exactly. No, and, and to your point about bullying, um, I want to bring it back around because you mentioned that uh, bullies are the ones that are ultimately uh, uh, succumbed to the, the cooler-headed characters. And anytime uh, one of these other characters like Cecil or the gremlin is introduced in a Bugs Bunny cartoon, Bugs Bunny then becomes the antagonist yeah. because he's the one that's vain and he's egotistical. Tables turned. Exactly. And they stayed true to that on the HBO Max shorts. Cool. And I cannot wait to see if they introduce Speedy, how they introduce him, but I really hope that they do because, because he's in Space Jam, it gives me hope that they will. Yeah. Oh, and they because have. Because he has such a, a huge fan reverence, I feel that they would, it would be a disservice to Looney Tunes as a whole to leave him out. And I feel the same way about Pepe, but that's another conversation. Yeah, yeah no, no, again, it's like the, the point of these cartoons is to laugh and that their message at the end of the, the message of anti-bully, it's a very profound message and it gets down to social justice. Social justice is nothing more than, hey, don't bully other people because of how they look or who they are. That's, that's all that social justice is at its root. I couldn't agree more. Uh, Gustavo, this has been an amazing conversation and uh, I want to let the people know where to find you. So uh, if you want to give us your socials. Yeah, the easiest way to follow me is go to gustavoariano.org. I have a weekly newsletter where I collect all the articles I've done for the week, all podcast interviews uh, that I've been on, like this one as well. Uh, uh, duh, obviously. Um, I On Twitter, you can follow me at, at gustavoariano. Warning, I've been in a gift war for three and a half years at this point. So it's just not, it's mostly my articles, rants, and nothing but gifts. So just be careful on that. <laughs> Instagram, I'm at Gustavo underscore Ariano. But honestly, like if for those of you out there, if there's anything that I said today that you're like, you know what, I want to follow this guy, just go to my website and then just go from there. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I highly recommend following Gustavo. I follow you on social media and Twitter. Thank and you. you. You have uh, an amazing you know, uh, insight into all of these situations going on uh, currently in current affairs, but also just your opinions are great. So I highly recommend following you and uh, you can follow the podcast at this means pod on Twitter. And this means podcast on Instagram and Facebook. You can follow me at the dark pilgrim on Twitter and just keep the conversation going. If you love speedy comment down below and obviously share, like subscribe with your friends and keep the conversation loony. And arriba, <laughs> so, arriba. That's not all, folks. Have a good one. <laughs>